0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wealth Conversation podcast with me, Titi. I guide high-achieving women on their journey to build lasting wealth so they can prepare for an abundant future in every area of their life. I hope that today's episode will help you to transform your relationship with money so you can make the choices that will enable you to create the opportunities and lasting wealth that you desire let's get straight into this week's episode this episode is dedicated to black history month which is celebrated in october here in the uk as my contribution to this very special period in the uk calendar I wanted to celebrate the people who I believe are making history right now in the black community. So I'll be talking to one of my favorite couples whose mission is to empower people to succeed regardless of their ethnic background through delivering educational life skills programs, improving learning environments and addressing racial inequality. And they do this through their charity, Open Palm. Now, before you meet them, I'll just read through their official bios. Ralph McBaden is a chartered accountant who is passionate about giving back. For years, Ralph has contributed to his community, whether by mentoring, providing CV support, or most recently co-founding the Open Palm Charity. In addition to practicing as an accountant full-time, Ralph spends as much of his free time as possible helping young people to become wiser with money. Outside of the world of finance, Ralph is a keen footballer and drone enthusiast. Sophie McBaden is a qualified solicitor and works for a large financial institution. Sophie is passionate about increasing diversity and inclusion in the workplace and has participated in a range of initiatives to help the next generation from developing work experience programs and mentoring. Outside of the office, Sophie co-founded a charity, Open Palm, that delivers free life skills courses to ethnic minority youths, supports underfunded schools and promotes racial equality. In her spare time, Sophie enjoys fitness, cooking and spending quality time with her husband and family. Hey, Sophie and Ralph, welcome to the Wealth Conversation podcast.
1: Thank Hello. you so
0: much for having us. Yeah, Hello. Good to be here. Great. I'm so excited to have you guys here. You can, I cannot tell you how excited I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love for you to just share with listeners uh, a little bit more about yourselves as individuals and as a couple. Would-
1: yeah, sure. Um, I'll go first. Um, so my name is Ralph McBaden. I am second generation British of uh, East and West African heritage. Uh, So, my mother came to the UK two years before before I was born. And um, yeah, then I came up, I grew up in South London and uh, I am where I am today now. So, I'm a chartered accountant, five years qualified, and I work within the wealth management industry, which is within the financial services sector. Uh, In my spare time, I'm a drone enthusiast, so that's what takes up my weekends when there's good weather, along with cycling and football and whatever I can kind of get into. And uh, about me, I'm probably tall enough to play basketball, but I opted for football. So yeah, that's me. Okay.
0: (laughs) We'll go back to why you've mentioned basketball.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. A
0: bit of regret there.
1: (laughs) Just a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I'll go next. So um,
2: I'm Sophie McBaden. I am a second generation Brit as well. Um, I'd have to say I don't normally describe myself as just a Brit. I tend to say I'm of African and Caribbean descent. But hey, we'll take the we'll take the second generation Brit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, her parents are originally from Barbados, and my father's mother is white British, um, and his father is of Nigerian descent. So. Um, I grew up here, this is uh, all I've known really, although I did used to growing up spend many a summer in Barbados when I used to have six week holidays. I used to be there for most of my time which was absolutely awesome and I've got lovely memories of that. I am a qualified solicitor. I work for a big bank and I have been qualified for almost uh, five years, five years almost to the day. And um, yeah, really, really enjoy the law. But particularly enjoy working with different people. And I've always been in house, which means I've I've been in a legal department of a company rather than a law firm. So that's given me the great opportunities to meet lots of different people from the business, from sales and marketing to people um, in lots of different areas. And I'm a real people person. So I love that. And outside of that, um, I thoroughly enjoy fitness, all things fitness, step aerobics in particular, is my. Thing of choice, and I love cooking as uh, Ralph, my husband, will attest to. He enjoys, he's the recipient of my, my cooking hobbies, and yeah, really just love family and, and church. Um, and yeah,
0: most recently, setting up a charity, which I know will come to you later. Fantastic, that's that's amazing, guys. I mean, I don't know how you find the time to do the things you do, but. One thing I want to find out from you guys really is, um, you know not everyone wakes up in the you know one morning and decides that they're going to set up a charity. So what was your reason for setting up Open Palm? Yeah, it's a great question. Really, we set up Open Palm out of frustration.
2: So after the George Floyd killing, it really shook us to the core. And although we'd never met George, we didn't know his family, it really, really affected us. And for the first time ever, I think for me personally, it made me truly question whether I was doing enough for my community. And I actually came to the stark realization that I probably wasn't using all of my skills and my connections and my network to the best of my ability. Um, I've done a lot in the past in terms of, I've run work experience programs, you know, aimed at ethnic minorities and underrepresented people. And um, I've mentored and worked with the charities in the past but really just felt that I wasn't I wasn't doing enough if I was honest with myself so open palm was my commitment to not only the black community but to every underrepresented um, community ethnically to really just do more and to try and as we now call it create an equal starting line that's the kind of line we've adopted for the charity to just allow everybody to compete from a, a fair position so that for me was how I came to to want to start open palm
1: yeah, and just, just to add to what Sophie said, a lot of people have asked us as well, oh, there's loads of other charities that are doing stuff. Why don't you just kind of tag on to everyone else? And we just thought a lot of charities do fantastic work and we wanted to do something specific around the skills we could offer. And it's such a large issue that we're trying to address, uh, disadvantaged racial inequality and things like that, that there's, no, there's not always a one-size-fits-all approach. There's not a one solution to it there's many individual solutions and I always see it as a community effort and people in the community can bring their different parts together. To to, I mean, we often say there's many fingers to the hand and it takes a whole hand to to kind of uh, hold a fist. So we're all part of that same solution. So we always try to collaborate and work with as many people as possible um, to kind of help us on on our journey and to reach our beneficiaries
2: absolutely and just to add to that I mean we talked didn't we at the start when when George Floyd was killed should we go out and protest is is that our thing but the fact that we even had to ask ourselves should we go out and protest for us was confirmation that that was not where our skills were Mm -hmm. and actually for us having quite corporate professional backgrounds we felt that actually the best thing that we can do is to impart the skills the connections etc that we've had and built along the way and also to use education Um, as a way to really lift up those who have been held back. So for us, that was our our part. But there are, as Ralph says, so many really, really important elements from the protesting to raising awareness to campaigning to the education bit that we're doing, et cetera, the mentoring that other organisations are doing. So there's so many important elements. But for us, it's it's all about education.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And, you know, uh, well done to you guys for creating something that I believe is going to, you know, impact generations to come. Ralph, you may have touched on it already, but I've been wondering, actually, why Open Palm? What does what is the name all about?
1: (laughs) Um, So we were thinking about different names, obviously, for starting up a charity, as you do. And we were just trying to think, right, we're trying to be we want to be open and transparent. And the kind of an open palm represents that quite nicely, um it just kind of shows that we're kind of there to to give a helping hand to also be open to collaboration and just to be very transparent in what we do um and that's really important for us because even in our kind of in our personal and in in our professional lives that's always something we've kind of strived towards and open palm kind of brings that together quite nicely um yeah which is why we settled on the name
0: and the giving element as well
1: yeah absolutely
0: I love it. Absolutely love it. Now, charities, you know, need money, even though they're doing good for most of them for free. So how do you fund your charitable activities?
2: So everything so far that we've raised has been through either personal donations or through um, individuals through, through work. So at the moment we haven't received any government funding um, or any grants so everything that we've done has been through ourselves putting money in as, as trustees, um, as other, another trustee also gives. And then we've got a, a collection of regular givers, one-off donations and people through their workplace, also doing fundraising events, etc. Um, but the beauty of it is at the moment, it's, it's pretty much been people that are just really passionate and wanting to get behind it. So we're funded by, by lots of small donations from, from different people, which actually we really, really like.
1: Yeah. And another thing which has helped us along the way is all of our volunteers as well. So um, even in setting up some of our courses, we've been really lucky enough to get help from our connections and also people outside of our network that we've reached out to and said, right, are there some skills which you want to offer to kind of help our cause? And we've been really fortunate. We've been blessed to have, um, uh, for example, a videographer from the Middle East help us out we've had uh, offers of work from across Europe. So um, the fact that uh, we've obviously been through this pandemic and there's been uh, a kind of a a push towards more video conferencing and things like that, it's it's meant that the world has become a smaller place and volunteering isn't just kind of limited to within our small community, it's kind of branched out globally almost. So we've been supported by uh, many talented people giving their skills and helping us progress our mission
2: and we're so fortunate that no one has charged anything so far we haven't been in a situation where we've had to pay for anything um, in terms of services obviously we have ongoing costs um, for our website and online presence etc but in terms of actual services from people um no no one associated with open palm has charged anything for their time
1: yeah and we wanted to make sure that um we saw it out and made sure funding was there so that obviously our beneficiaries would never have to pay a penny that's like our, our number one rule so yeah we structure ourselves in, in a in a way that we can kind of maintain we try to be um as efficient i'm an accountant so of course you've got to be on top of every penny <laughs> making sure that as much every pound that's donated as much of that goes to the to the med and fisheries as possible so yeah we're really passionate about that
0: that's amazing um I know that the charity currently offers two programs for children between the ages of 13 to 17. Um, Could you tell us about each program and the impact that um, the programs have had on the young people who've completed the program so far? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, the first course we launched was called uh, Wise Money, and that is a financial literacy course teaching young people um the premise is when we came up with it all the things we wish we knew about money growing up and um, this is from really practical things like how to budget how to save the importance of uh thinking about investments and uh and also what we really wanted to make it is we wanted it to 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 tailor to every situation almost because um the reality is not everyone's going to be a millionaire most of us are going to have normal jobs normal lives But that's not to say that you can't have good financial groundings in with that base. And um, we always said like I remember when I was um, when I was going to my first job and I saw my payslip for the first time, it's all foreign to me. And I was just thinking, surely this should have been one of the things you learn in school. Um, What all of these things mean? What, What is gross pay? What are these deductions? Where do they come from? Where do they go to? And um, just asking ourselves that question, what do we wish we knew, really helped us kind of pull together this course and pull together this this package of learning. And what's important at at the end of the learning is we say we want them to do something practical, which they can use literally the day after they finish their course in their everyday life. And we also wanted to give the young people an accreditation at the end of it. We, we said the learning is great and it will do you well, but we also want to have something you can put on your CV afterward. And it's something which young people can talk about in their their college applications or even for their first jobs, just to show that they're kind of doing something over and above their existing learning in school. So we really wanted to kind of pull together this quite nice package of uh, educational programs and of course the one of the most important things as well is the young people seeing people that look like themselves telling them this information so they can kind of uh, they can see it and aspire to it and know that uh, people that look like them can do this and have been doing this and we're now passing on that information um and uh on top of that we also launched employability program uh a a few months ago now and that again is all about the journey which young people will take from school from finding out what sort of subjects you want to do to kind of push you in a certain direction in terms of career path um all the way to getting your first job and what the interview process is like and um and really helping you, guide you along that path and giving you all the skills you need to be successful.
2: And the one thing that we're really proud about with the uh, Wise for Work program is that we're working with companies who are willing to offer work experience to the young people that have finished our Wise for Work employability course. So when young people have finished this course, then what they get to do is they get to apply for work experience opportunities with our partners. And we've got some really awesome companies, um, including you know a, a, football, a football team, which is absolutely fantastic, and young people will be able to apply for that and hope. Hopefully, some of them will then be able to put their interview uh, practice that we've taught them on the course really into play. And some of them will be successful and they'll be able to take up work experience opportunities. So in addition to the learning like Wise Money, they get their accreditation, but with Wise for Work, they also get the work experience opportunity as well, which is awesome because half of what we're doing is trying to address the inequality and the lack of opportunity that a lot of people are facing, particularly from ethnic minority backgrounds. So that work experience, that's something on their CV that they can talk to, which then again, just helps them to be a bit more comparable to their peers when they're going for university applications, college applications, or
1: first jobs? Yeah, and both courses are um, roughly seven to eight weeks long. Both are completely online and they can be done at the learner's own pace, and um, they're accessible on all devices. So, laptop, even on your phone, you can start it on your phone, finish it on your laptop. So, yeah, it's completely um, cross platform.
2: And the feedback we've had from the young people and their parents has just been fantastic. So, the young people, um, a lot of them have said that they didn't know a lot of this information before. We've actually had a lot of young people saying, Why on earth is this not being taught in school? I wish I was learning this over algebra. I mean, no comment. I think, you know, all, everything that's taught in school is really important, but it's great to know that young people people don't feel that they're wasting their time doing this course it's not another chore for them they are actually finding value Uh, we recently enrolled on our Wise for work course uh, a group of year 11s uh, through a school in south london and the ratings we have ratings at the end of each session and the ratings were really really positive from that group a lot of four stars some five stars out of five which is brilliant Um, and the parents are saying thank you so much you know we're posting this onto our social media a lot of times you know parents are saying my child was really really disheartened through the pandemic was just struggling to engage with online learning at school because you know the the cameras weren't on or the the content was a bit dry on teams or whatever it was thank you so much that you've given something a bit more uplifting for them to look forward to so it's really great to hear that kind of feedback.
0: Wow it's so interesting to you know that it's actually um, impacting the children, not just in terms of money, but also in their wider learning. That's Mm -hmm. that's absolutely amazing. And Ralph and Sophie, as you were just talking about everything that's included in the courses, I was just thinking to myself, I wish I had this when I was growing up. You know, Even now as an adult, I feel there's so much I need to learn, even as someone who works in financial services. Do you get a lot of parents asking you, um, asking to enroll in, in your courses? Yes. <laughs>
2: we get a lot of parents saying, hey, what about me? You know, I'm not 17, but can I come on the course? We actually, on a serious note, we've also had some older students who have said, I'm 18, I'm 19 i've just missed out on this course you know the last year and a half or so has been really tough with the pandemic i've lost out on work experience or a lot of learning at school is there any way that i can come on the course and we have made exceptions for people particularly given the last year and a half that we've all had and we've said okay you're 18 you're 19 come come on the course so for anyone listening if you are slightly above the age limit and you're interested you're most welcome please head to the website um www.openpalm.org.uk forward slash w YZ. Um, but for parents, there is um, some partnerships that we're building with some third party organizations that particularly support that age group. And we're working on how we can best support parents as, as
0: well. That's great. I think there'll be a, a lot of take up on that, because um, I, I know just from experience with raising my daughter, as she would come back from school, having learned new things, I found it quite, quite daunting to support her because, her level of knowledge was much higher than, than mine was, um, mm. especially things like maths and, and you know, science subjects. I was never great at science anyway. So you can imagine when someone yeah. goes off you know, eight weeks on this course, they come back with this knowledge, you want to support them, but your knowledge is a, a bit below theirs. So I think um, you know, what you're doing, partnering with third parties, um, is going to be so helpful to those children as well there you go maybe the wealth
2: conversation maybe we can do a joint workshop for parents as well yeah i'd love
0: to i'd love to do that let's make <laughs> let's, it happen let's talk about, yeah let's do that <laughs> now ralph you mentioned um, when you got your first paycheck and you were like you know looking at it and it was so daunting and you were asking yourself all these questions yes. sophie what what do you wish you had learned um, about money or, or even you know going for interviews when you were younger One thing I wish I learned about money
2: was that it's so possible to pay off your student loan early if you just prioritize it. So I was really fortunate that I paid off my student loan in my 20s, but I didn't prioritize it until I got to about 26. And then I really had about three years to just accelerate my payments. I never thought about overpaying my student loan. I grew up being told Your student loan is such low interest don't worry about it pay off other things don't worry about your student loan whilst it's true that the student loan is not you know ridiculously high interest it's not like one of those payday loans but it's not an insignificant amount of interest and actually when you calculate it over many many years It's a fair chunk of money, actually, that you're paying on top of the student loan. Now, interestingly, though, a student loan is more like tax because it depends on how much you earn. So if you never earn the minimum threshold to repay it, you never actually pay it back. But I was in a position where it was coming out of my salary and I figured, why don't I just pay more and just just shift this? So I wish I took advantage of overpay my student loan early and um, it would have meant more years of having less disposable income but I would have just been able to free myself of it earlier on. In terms of what I wish I knew about careers growing up, I wish I knew more about selling yourself because in interviews, certainly when I was younger, I was going into interviews and often talking about the team. We did this, we did that, we all worked together. And that's fantastic. And employers do need to hear that you have the collaboration and the team building ability and that you are a team player. But a lot of times, you know, people need to see in an interview what you individually contributed. And now that I support a lot of the uh, graduate recruitment, um, I, I see that that when I'm marking and I, I'm not able to, I physically am unable to give people more points if they're not telling me what they individually did as part of a team exercise or what their contribution was. So I wish I knew earlier to just talk more about the I. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, I wish I'd known that as well earlier. I think I'd be so much further along uh, than I am now. Those are such amazing um, tips and skills um, that you are imparting to young people. And I'm, I'm so excited for, for the young people who've gone through the programs already. And how, do you know how many um, to date have gone through each program or collectively? So, we reached the milestone of over
2: 100 young people on Wise Money um, around January of this year. So, I think now we're probably at about 150 or so for Wise Money, but more we've reached through the shorter workshops as well. Um, And then Wise for Work, we're around about the 100 young people um, on WISE for Work but again more reach through workshops but now this when we are trying to work with more schools and get this into the part you know more, more curriculums from September onwards so we will stay tuned for the uh the end of the next academic year 21 to 22.
0: Yeah but congratulations considering when the charity was set up and we've been through a pandemic or and still kind of going through it that's that's absolutely amazing and those 100 children will be spreading the word and teaching others. So there's that compounding effect going on as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And we've even
1: heard of um, young people speaking with their family and parents about it whilst they're on the course. So already those conversations are starting. And those are things which, again, we don't really have growing up. Um, I don't really speak to my parents much about money. I don't really know what the bills were or anything like that. But now they're having those conversations and that will only help um situations moving forward
2: yeah because there is a big cultural thing especially in you know african and caribbean communities there's not a culture of talking about money and if somebody's in financial difficulty there's not really a culture of sharing that or reaching out for help so that's actually one key thing that we actually teach In the wise money course is if you do find yourself in financial difficulty and we hope if you've applied what we have taught you that you won't, but if you do, then these are the steps that you should take And, and things that sound really basic like do not ignore a bill. You know, if you can't pay it, call and start making arrangements. And there are organizations that can support, but don't just leave the bill sitting there to collect dust because otherwise, you know, bailiffs will turn up at your house eventually and nobody wants that. So it's just about getting people uh, in the frame of mind to be financially responsible.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Everyone knows what you should do when things are going well, but no one really tells you what you should do when things have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's the trap that I fell into um, you know, I, I got myself into debt and I really didn't know how to get myself out of it for a long time. And Sophie, what you've just said about just pick up the phone, it, it is literally as simple as that. And most of the time, um, the the people you're owing money to, they want the money back. So they will come up with a plan and try and help you yeah. um, to, to pay it back. Um, it's, it's, it's really one piece of, you know, the, the financial... Um, knowledge that we need to share more. We need to share yeah. more because it's not always the case that things go well. Mm-hmm. And you really need to know how to get yourself out of um, the problems when they do arise.
1: Yeah, I agree. And the, and the other thing is, I remember coming out of university and being offered a credit card after credit card as well. I don't know about you guys, but mm-hmm. it's almost like a double-edged sword because you need it to build credit. But at the same time, you don't want to fall into too much debt. So, I mean, even me personally, I I had I'd racked up a bit of credit card debt in my early 20s because it was just there and available. I didn't necessarily need it, but it was there and I didn't really know any better. Um, But, yeah, it's just about knowing about these things before they kind of come to you. And again, that's what we emphasize on our course. We want young people to know about how to handle money before they get money in their hand so that they're making these good decisions straight away. And they don't need to wait until they're they're learning through the negative effects which come with it
0: yeah
2: Yeah. and another thing is you know with social media now and to be honest even before social media particularly again sort of the African Caribbean community we are quite big consumers and and the stats do show that we do spend a huge amount of our income um, on consumer goods whether that's you know expensive drinks clothes holidays etc and we're not the biggest savers so that's one thing as well that we need to get better at is not thinking right I've been paid let me run off to the most expensive brand let me go to Selfridges and clear out the place or go to a nightclub and buy the bar or both buy the most expensive bottle it's thinking about let's let's plan this a bit more and let me save as a priority and do some other things and pay some bills and then I'll, I'll treat myself with anything that's left over. But that mentality of saving first and so on, I think we need to get better at. And, and also being honest and frank with each other when we are struggling, like, you know, saying to a friend, you know, I can't come out this weekend because the money's not there. Or or I've decided that I want to prioritise because I'm going to, you know, invest in the house or I need to redo something in the property or, or whatever it might be. But just being more comfortable with saying no. And not always
0: feeling that pressure to do everything all the time. I couldn't agree more. It it is so important just to know, you know, what you can and can't do. And and I always say to people, so I deal with adults. So, you know, they haven't gone through uh, the Wise Money course. um, So they're coming to me with, with all these issues that you are teaching the young children about. And I'm sure what I'm saying to them is exactly the same what you're um, saying to um, the young children. But one thing I also say is, you know, it isn't a bad thing to go out and shop. All you need to make sure is that you you can afford it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and that is the thing that we miss all the time. You know, people are going into minus, you know, going into their overdrafts, getting debt, Um, to um, so that they can fund these shopping sprees but actually if you just do a bit of work and change a bit of your mindset you can figure out a way to actually be able to afford it because I believe most of the time we do have the money Um, it's just that we're not allocating it accordingly
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely and it's just about kind of living within your means isn't it And um, just how important it is to kind of assess your situation and not worry about everyone else's. It's all about kind of, it's more about you and your personal finances and making the right decisions based on, on yourself.
2: And, and just staying in your financial lane. And we, we talk about that on the Wise Money course, you know, don't sit there and, and idolise what people are doing on social media. I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest risks to the next generation now is this life through the lens of social media. And most of us that are a little bit older know that things aren't always what they appear. But for the younger generation in particular, they do look at social media and they think, oh, well, somebody's gone on four holidays a year. Or I saw a photo of them sitting in first class. They must have done the whole flight light in first class you know but things aren't always as they appear Mm. and a lot of celebrities even even they are in rented properties they don't actually own it or somebody's you know taken a photo in a very expensive uh, seat of a plane but did not fly the whole flight in that seat and so we just need to be questioning things a little bit more and and just, frankly, not comparing ourselves to other people.
1: Yeah. And the, and the other thing is almost saving. I remember when I was growing up, saving wasn't really seen in the, in the most attractive way um, until and even Sitsi. I know we spoke about this some time ago, how you, if you change saving from paying saving to paying yourself, that really changes what it is. Because imagine if you if you have a thousand pounds every month and you spend a thousand and there's nothing left, then like what have you really earned? But it's almost like what have you left over for yourself in order to fund yourself, your dreams and all the things you want to aspire to. And when I started thinking about saving as paying yourself for your hard work and not letting all that money go back out the door, then I started really thinking about, right, if I could save more, then I can do more and of of all the things I want to do, like invest and uh, try and hopefully retire early and all these things, then it kind of compounds in a positive way. And you're kind of thinking, right, more Um, more practical about your situation and how that can get you to achieve your goals.
2: That's actually, Sitsi actually schooled me when uh, (laughs) I watched the Wise Money interview that Sitsi very kindly did. Um, and Sitsi said pay yourself first through saving mm. my mind was completely blown I was like that is a fantastic way of describing saving and like you say Ralph I've never looked at saving the same I knew it was important before but mm. the way that Sitsi described it I thought that was brilliant so thank you so much Sitsi for educating hundreds of kids on
0: pay yourself first. <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> it was my pleasure to do that I didn't realize that it would have such a big impact but yeah when I kind of discovered that whole concept of paying yourself first it was really mind-blowing and now I just like save on autopilot I don't even miss the money because it's I know it's it's for my future self and um, mm-hmm. and it's mine it's mine right um, no one's gonna come and ask me to give that money to them because I don't owe it to anybody else and I'm not owing um, you know I don't have debts anymore etc I do have a mortgage. So that's one thing that I need to start paying off uh, quickly. Um, But yeah, paying yourself first is a game changer for a lot of people.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and just right to your point earlier about how when we were growing up saving was not really considered to be a cool thing I think when something happens in your kind of mid-20s and even about a lot of things even relationship decisions I remember you know being in school everybody wanted to go for the kind of rebellious person and so forth the person that said forget school who cares about learning I'm just gonna you know leave a lesson and just be out and about and that was really cool when we're younger then you get older and actually what's quite important is somebody with their head screwed on that makes good decisions and suddenly you know if you say to a group of friends let's go out for brunch and they say actually I'm going to use this money to make a mortgage overpayment they're actually pretty cool (laughs) because if you fast forward they might be the people that are retiring at 45 and then they're doing brunch every day so I think now our mentality is changing about saving but I think that happens with maturity but if we can get the young ones to see saving as cool earlier then they can maybe save decades of of pain
0: (laughs) yeah I agree you know I always think to myself if I add up all the salaries I've received since I started working like I, I could have retired like five ten years ago
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and i mean even when we talk about like the power of compounding and uh starting saving for your pensions early i know pensions isn't really what you want to hear at the age of 18 but i mean it's just startled me when you look at the figures and it's something like if you start saving for your pension at the age of 20 you could literally have a million pound pension pot by saving 360 pounds a month which doesn't sound like a lot but over many many years it just grows and grows um so yeah I think all these things if you hear them earlier uh, just imagine where we'd all be would be even further ahead Mm -hmm. if we knew this when
0: we were younger definitely 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 and I think the you know one of the things that does impact uh people from um especially the black community is the knowledge that we have about money is based on knowledge from what I call back home or, you know, the African continent or wherever you are, you're, mm. you're ethnically from. I mean, when I moved to the UK from Zimbabwe, I didn't believe in pensions because what I saw back home with pensions was, you know, people lost their pensions, you know, or the value of their pensions, you know, dropped Um, so they couldn't live on their pensions at all. And they had worked for years and years. And that was the thing that stuck in my mind. So the moment I heard pension, I was like, they don't work waste of time, you know, and it took me a very long time to start actually considering looking at my pension and contributing to my pension. Um, now I don't miss a pension payment, I'm always (laughs) adding money because, um, yeah, it's 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 part of my paying myself first. It's part of the things that I do to make sure that I'm saving for the future.
2: Yeah, that's a great point, and that's another thing with pensions. I mean, when I first started working, um, I think I can't remember if the law was that employers had to had to give you a pension. I I can't recall, but I know it's definitely the law now. But when I first started working, I was doing the absolute bare minimum. I mean, it's it, I'll, I'll confess there were some periods where I wasn't paying anything into my pension. I was doing zero um and then I thought okay I'll do a little bit you know I'll put 50 quid in but I wasn't taking it seriously but now I've realized oh my goodness there's actually a massive missed opportunity here because a lot of certainly a lot of big employers will do matched contributions so you know you put in 10% they'll put in 10% and before you know it you're saving 20% of your salary every month sometimes more which is not insignificant, especially as you move through your career and you're earning more and more. So, again, another thing is, is pensions. It sounds so far away, but there's, there's a, a cross, isn't there? There's a period where if you start early, you can really maximise it. But when we wake up to it and realise it's important,
0: we've maybe lost the opportunity to have those great, great gains. Yeah, so true. Now, guys, I could go on and on <laughs> talking to you. Um But I want to honor your time. So I am going to ask you a question that I ask all uh, my guests because, um, you know, I believe that wealth is so much more than money. It does encompass all areas of our lives. So I would love for you both to um, tell me what wealth means to you both in the following areas, physical well-being, mental well-being, spiritual well-being social well-being and financial
1: well-being oh okay um I'll, I'll go first on that yeah. i mean first first my thir- my first thoughts is that they're all linked um mm-hmm. in in one way or another i mean if we start with physical um for me wealth means being able to put the right food in my body so so that i can perform and i mean that means uh having enough for the for the food shop and it means having enough to go out and play football and go to the gym and have all of these uh, access to all this different equipment and sports that I like to enjoy playing and will also keep me in a good physical condition. Um, and it, and I think doing that, that wealth translates to giving my body the best chance it has to look after itself. So, yeah, the, and like I said, the benefits then extend to things like the mental well-being side of it and um, wealth is for me not having to worry about where the next meal is coming from at a very basic level, all the way up to not having to worry where the next um, uh, the, where the bill, the money for the next bill is going to come, and rent or mortgage payments, and having the resilience and the buffer to know that if hard times are coming, that I've I've got something stored away so that I can kind of be in a good position, so I sleep better at night, knowing that I've got that that buffer and I haven't got to worry and I can focus on other things and um, working towards other positive things. Um, From a spiritual side, um, I'd say it's being able to support the church, being able to put that money to to help our community and, and help spread the fellowship. Um, and also being able to do God's work even through the charity um, to help others so I mean if you think about what Jesus did he helped the most disadvantaged and and we can do that um, because of the position we're in and the last one I'll finish on is um, uh, you mentioned social well-being as well and for, that's all about healthy relationships I guess so um, having a strong circle that understands that everyone has different financial positions and knowing that maybe not everyone could go on the Las Vegas five-star holiday but but stick, sticking within the means of the group and having your social circle understand that as well and as we touched about as well all the social pressures you see around money um, wealth is knowing that yes that person might be spending on a Rolex, but you've got your money invested in something else. So you know you've got your own thing going on and not having to succumb to the outside social pressures. So um so yeah that, that's my summary of of your, your ask. Okay.
0: The last one was financial well-being. I don't know if you've got something to say on that or
1: ah yes of course of course. Um so yeah financial well-being I'd just say um primarily being able to support my family. Um I mean, family is kind of everything and, and it's all good and well you having. But if you have no one to share that with, then what's the point? It's all about making sure that your family supported. And I'm not talking about the clothes and the cosmetic side of it, but more around the, the essential things that they need. Um, be that um, things related to health, be that things related to education and uh, wealth allows you to kind of to, to share that love in that way, if necessary. Um, so, yeah, for me, that, that's that's key, really, linking to family.
0: Thank you so much, Ralph. Sophie? I'm not sure I can add much to that, to be honest. That was like an A-star
2: answer, but <laughs> just, I'll tackle maybe one or two, but I'm not going to try and compete with Ralph on all, all of them. <laughs> um, so I think physical well-being for me is around having the right conditions for my body to thrive so that's very much linked to financial well-being and mental well-being because if i'm physically wealthy then i've had enough sleep every night which means that i'm not that anxious I'm not working in a job that's working me to the ground. You know, I've, I've been able to create an environment where I can sleep well, that I can afford to eat well. And by that, I mean being able to buy organic food. That's quite important to me and um, good quality produce. If I'm buying fish, it's wild, etc. So being able to buy, you know, the premium food. So the physical health is very much tied to the financial. So I need to be in a position where I'm I'm able to get enough money to live well for my body. Um, and also that the role that I'm doing or the lifestyle that I have is not causing me anxiety and stress, which is the mental bit as well. Um, in terms of the, the, the spiritual well-being, um, for me, spiritual wealth is around, as a Christian, for me, being spiritual spiritually wealthy is, is being close to God, using the gifts that I feel that I've been blessed with to the best of my ability to help other people. I don't believe um, that I've been given the gifts that I have to just sit on them or to just make myself a load of money and run off into the sunset. Uh, But I feel that I've been given gifts to help other people, encourage other people. um, And hopefully that for me gives gives glory back to God. So for me, it's about using my gifts, um, supporting the church, definitely, um, and also being able to have enough money that I can meet my basic needs, have a bit left over and help other people. For me, that's just wealth, wealth overall. Um, And I'll say just one last thing on the social wealth. For me, social wealth is having friends that can push you, who can encourage you, who can inspire you, um, and that you can also be honest with. And it goes back to when we were talking about having honest conversations if you're in financial difficulty or if you're saving for something, being in an environment where you feel that you truly do have friends, not people that you're just there to impress or compete with, but people that will say, do you know what? Well done, Ralph. Well done, Sophie. Well done, Sitsy, for saying you can't come out tonight. I respect that actually. Do you know what, maybe I shouldn't go out tonight either. Should we just do a Netflix party or whatever it is? And let's just chill and live a simple life. And for me, the pandemic has been a massive teacher of the importance of the absolute basic things, your physical health, your family, and your mental and spiritual well-being without those things we are nothing we can't even be talking about work or any other things until we have those basic things so a social circle that respects that
0: and encourages that is important and that's wealth for me oh that's amazing Sophie I love that I'm gonna make notes of everything you guys have said on those five (laughs) (laughs) now what is the best way for listeners to support open palm
1: so, um, firstly, following us on social media. So, at OpenParton Charity, we are on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, I'm sure Miss Twitter, on Twitter as well. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, following our content will be fantastic, um, and then you can also keep up to date on what we're doing. Um, and also, if you feel compelled to, also donating to our cause so that we can reach more beneficiaries. And also sharing any skills you might have um, or any expertise to help um, volunteer with our charity and um, reach again, help reach young as many young people and spread spread your skills throughout the community.
2: And if you're listening to this and you've got children or siblings or cousins, nieces, nephews that you want to enroll on the course, you can absolutely do that. Um, It's www.openpalm.org.uk forward slash wyz there you'll be able to choose your pick from our financial literacy course wise money or employability course wise for work or do both they're both completely free you can work at your own pace get an accreditation
0: um, and, and really learn something that will help great and i'm going to put the links to your social media and the website in the show notes so it's easy for people to find them sophie and ralph I want to thank you both for being such amazing human beings and for saying yes to the calling that was placed on both of you. You know that I'm a big advocate for creating generational wealth in all areas of life. And I know that your mission through Open Palm will have a positive and lasting impact on generations to come. So I thank you for all you have done so far. And I really thank you for everything you are going to continue doing for the next generation.
2: Thank you so much. And thanks once again for having us. And huge congrats to everything The Wealth Conversation is doing. Um, Can't wait to hopefully collaborate. Um, But thank you once again, Sissy. It's been awesome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Sissy. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Connect with me at The Wealth Conversation on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the discussion. Also, if you're ready to define what wealth truly means to you, then go to thewealthconversation.com and download the Wealth Cornerstones Guide. Until next week, stay focused on becoming the designer of your financial future.